We're going to look at the tale of two foundations today. We're uh, finished off our Hidden Hero series. We're going to go into four one-offs before we kick off uh, our Welcome to Summer and New series at the end of September. So uh, I'd love us to, um, I, I'm going to read and then we'll, we'll get stuck into it. So that's what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. So we're looking at a tale of two foundations today, and I thought I would show us a few pictures as we get going of some houses that probably weren't built with the best foundations. Now, um, for those of you who live anywhere near us on the bottom end of Mount Pleasant, you just have to drive past Art Farm and see the walls, not even the houses. Just look at the walls to see how terrible foundations are and what happens as a result of it. But here's a few that I found. So here's just a fairly basic house, bad foundations. You can see the crack coming there in the brick work. Uh, this was a great one I found um, in the Alaska side, and you can just see it uh, imploding in on itself from bad foundations. Uh, here's one actually in a sandy area that has collapsed, Namibia. Here's a brilliant one, which I just absolutely loved, which is both foundation, but I think also the rest of the house collapsed as well. Uh, here's one where it's um, had an absolute collapse on the side. Very ingenious use of uh, gum poles there as well to keep it up. Uh, there's another one built by the sea uh, where the whole house is intact except for the foundations actually gone on a, on a big collapse. Uh, there's another one which has seen the land uh, give way. This is one uh, in uh, China and Shanghai. They still have not got to, down to the bottom of, no one's owned up to it, of why these complexes on the edge of a river have fallen like that. Um, I think it's probably foundation issues, but uh, the government as well as the builders have still said they're just not sure exactly why seven of these huge things collapsed. <laughs> so uh, um, there's a lot of lies going on there. I think, I think we could work it out. Um, and uh, this one at the end uh, is just a great example again of one uh, that, that's from the one side and then here's from the other about to head into a, a full collapse built on the sand but not properly. And this one's just a bit of fun standing on some crates. I thought that's a brilliant way to do foundations for a house. So <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that was excellent one to look at. So we, that gives us an idea of foundations not done right in a physical sense. And in a spiritual sense, over the last few weeks, any of you who follow uh, sort of Christian news, maybe you read up on some blogs, there's been a number of prominent pastors, leaders, who've turned away from the Christian faith in the last little bit. Some who have led churches of thousands and have just recently divorced wives um, and have actually come out and said, uh, to be honest, everything that we've believed, we don't believe anymore um, and we're embracing something different. Uh, worship songs uh, and songs of the Lord that we've sung for years and years and years, uh, one of the writers of those has, um, has just suddenly come out and said, you know, actually I have no idea 
idea what I believe. Um, and so I am going to go on a journey of exploring, but in terms of the Christian faith that I believe is not really there anymore. Um, and that's what I was going to share, what comes in with something like Alpha, so important in the foundations of what we actually believe as Christ followers. And if, if you're someone who's been a Christian for many years, I would say, well, it's still something worth you doing because you get to grips with what are the foundations of our faith. But these pastors of large churches, these authors of books that many of you would have read and have been impacted by, and songs that I can guarantee probably every single person in this church would have sung. Um, if you're not a Christ follower and you're visiting, maybe you haven't um, today, but uh, probably some of the ones that we sung um, in the next few weeks, you'll hear. But you, you sort of ask the questions, how is it? How is it possible that someone who has led churches, written music, um, written music, written books for so many years, suddenly turn around and say, but this just isn't real to me and I just don't know what I believe anymore. It's because their life foundation has not been true and firm. They've built these external houses that look incredible to everyone around. They look flash, they look pristine, they look perfect, but no one's known for all those years and possibly they haven't even known themselves that the foundations of what they were building on were not real, were not true, were not firm. And so now when the trials of life hit and when questions come, they've seen a collapse of this house that looked absolutely beautiful to everyone else. They were not strong enough to withstand the storms of life. And that's what Jesus speaks clearly into in this passage in the Bible. For those of you who are maybe visiting or you, you, you haven't looked into this passage before, it comes on the back of something called the Sermon on the Mount. And even people who don't know Christ, who would say, I'm not a Christ follower, would say the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount are some of the purest that have ever been seen. Now, I believe it's because it's King Jesus who was saying them. But even non-Christians would say these words that are, are the foundations of many nations and many schools, many institutions, are some of the purest that have ever been said. And on the back of it, uh, this is what Jesus shares, which I've just read now. So we kick off the first little bit. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. This is vital to get. True faith will always be accompanied by action. It always will be accompanied by action. Maybe, maybe not every single day, none of us are perfect. There'll be moments where we hear things and we don't do them. If you look collectively at your life, if you were to call yourself a Christ follower or any other faith, it will be accompanied by action in terms of what you say. It's impossible for what we believe to not lead us to act in a certain way. So the way that you act, you can always go back and say, oh, the way that I act is because I care about this, because I believe this. The way that I care about my body or health or fitness is because I believe this. Everything, everything you act out is to do with a belief in your heart. This is very similar to uh, James, repeated uh, another book of the Bible, James 2. What it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and any one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. And so what Jesus gets at right at the start there is everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, he's saying that true faith is about belief in something, it's about hearing something, and then it's about doing what that something is saying. And then Jesus jumps on, he says, anyone who does this, these words that you hear me say and you act on them, will be like a wise man. 
Now, when Jesus calls someone wise, he's not talking about your intellect. He's not talking about academic ability. He's talking about spiritual state. He's talking about wisdom in a spiritual state. And it's possible that you can have very high intellect and very low SQ. I'd call it spiritual (laughs) IQ or SIQ. We could have incredible intellect, but have very, very low spiritual IQ. And the same likewise, someone in earthly terms can really struggle mentally, can really struggle intellectually, but can have a very, very high spiritual IQ. Jesus' world is absolutely upside down to what we think. So how does Jesus class wise? It's those who hear and those who do what they hear. That's wisdom. So if you're only hearing, but you're not applying, you're not acting, you're not being obedient, you're not wise, you are foolish. It's not about your intellect, but if you're here today and you're hearing God's word and you're reading his word, you have a Bible at home and you're coming to church on Sunday, but you're not acting what his word says, in his terminology, you are foolish. I am foolish. Scary. It's very, very sobering. Very sobering to think through. And then Jesus, um, obviously when he talks, a wise man who built his house, when he's talking about a house, he means our lives. So he's talking about our lives, and as we go through the story, that's what we're talking about, it is our lives. So what does he mean by building a house on the rock? What is he talking about? Well, yes, logically, it makes sense for us to build on something sturdy, right? That would make sense. We don't always do what's logical, as we saw from some of those houses, but that makes sense to us. But if we get into a little bit of context where he was talking, he spent a lot of his time around the Sea of Galilee. So a lot of the time then, what would happen is, in that area, in the dry season, the sand around it and in the surrounding areas around that sea would, would feel almost like concrete. So the sand would be rock solid in the dry season. It would feel like rock but it wasn't. If you wanted to build properly in the dry seasons so that it would withstand the rainy season, you'd need to dig down to the bedrock. But you can imagine him speaking to people, very visual way, there would be people who would have been like, oh, this is absolutely rock solid. This is rock solid, let me just build right here. These are great for foundations, and then the rains come around that area of the Sea of Galilee, and it just washes clean away because the bedrock is a good few meters down below the sand. So in a physical sense, that gives us a great picture. These houses would look great, but the minute the rainy season came to that area in the Middle East, those houses would be absolutely destroyed or they would start to collapse as we saw in those pictures. So this building on the rock has a lot to do with digging through some sand to get down to the foundations. And to me, that talks a lot about perseverance, talks a lot about um, digging down our spiritual roots, It talks about time, it talks about effort, rather than just building a simplistic house without digging a little bit deeper. So hearing and doing God's word takes time and effort. It won't happen overnight, and it's not something miraculously where you wake up and you're someone who just does God's word. Just pray about Lord Jesus, I wanna hear your word, and tomorrow, boom, I'm just gonna do it all the time. It doesn't happen like that. There's process to it. Your Christian faith, Yes, there's the supernatural, God comes in and he supernaturally helps us all the time. But there's perseverance and there's time and there's effort for us to dig proper foundations and to build houses that will stand the storms. There's time and effort. It won't happen by you floating into it. It will take decision making. It is important that we have simple faith like our children. So important that we have simple faith, that we believe in our hearts rather than with our intellect. Spoken to many people over time, and I can just see that there's a disconnect between their intellect and their heart when it comes to their faith. Because this is where it's at, it's in our hearts. 
We can know everything there is to know about God intellectually. We can have every argument. But until he transforms our heart, we won't be new creations. It has to be a heart change. So we need to be like children, but we also need to know what we believe. And that takes time. That takes a little bit of effort. This is why it's so important that we're daily listening for God's voice, that we're reading our Bibles, that we're speaking to and listening to and getting guidance from the right people. What the digital age does to us is it means that we can listen to anybody on any website, anywhere, without really knowing what's their heart, is what they're saying true. We've got to be so careful that we're listening to the right people, that what they say fundamentally lines up with God's word and that his word isn't being distorted. We need to be getting stuck into life groups, regularly part of God's family on Sundays. We need to be asking God, Lord Jesus, show me the truth of your word. I don't want to get swayed. I want to know what you're saying to me. Please show me the truth of your word. That's how you're wise, and that's how you build on the rock. And that's not going to happen overnight. That is going to take time. That is going to take a little bit of effort. So that's how you build the house on the rock. And in this brilliant picture, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. What's so interesting about this picture, do you get the, the, as you read it, Jesus says nothing about what the house looks like on the outside, right? Talks about foundations being true, but it's just so interesting. He doesn't say this one looks beautiful, this one looks run down, this one looks pretty ordinary and plain. He just talks about the foundations. I absolutely love that about the picture. Such a brilliant picture because what it means is you could have something that looks like a palace on the outside, but the foundations that really count aren't there at all. And you could be a fairly ordinary looking house. Nothing really interesting about you, nothing that people notice about you. There's always something interesting in God's eyes, but maybe you just feel like you're pretty much run of the mill. You're like a dove when it comes to the birds. You're a pretty, pretty random animal. You're not an eagle, you're not something hardcore, and you just sit there going, but what do I have to offer? I'm just a little bit average. Well, it's just so interesting that in God's economy, the external look of the house is really unimportant compared to the foundations. So, so interesting that we get that. So it's great if you're a dove. It's brilliant. And if you're looking on the outside like an eagle, you need to make sure that your foundations are correct and proper. It's not about how your house looks in good weather. It's about what happens in the storm. What your life looks like in good weather, yes, that is important. But what's more important is what does it look like when the rain comes and when the rivers rise and when the storm hits your greatest indicator in mind of our faith is actually what happens to it when the going gets tough. That's the real indicator. It's not when things are easy. It's what happens to our faith when the going gets tough. So you can do a quick assessment right now. If you're a Christ follower here today, you can do a quick assessment right now. If you look back over the last week or the last day or the last few months, when you're faced with a curveball or when you're faced with a trial in the last few weeks or month, what happened to your faith? What happened? What happened to your perspective on God? Did you run towards him in the trial or did you run away? What happened to the person that the trial sort of happened with? What happened in the conflict or whatever else? Did you find that it made you shun someone or did you try and work towards a resolution? What happened when the trial came? What happened in your faith? And if you do a quick self-assessment, that will give you a very good indicator of where your faith really is at. You can't gauge where your faith really is at in the good times. Gauge it in the tough times. That shows you what your foundations are. 
So you can do a self-assessment. You will know. If you're rock solid in the trials of life, if your faith stands the test, you can have such security and peace that your house is founded on the rock. It actually gives you a peace that Jesus has really saved you. It gives you a peace that your faith is real and true is how you handle the storms of life. And not just in this lifetime, it gives you a peace and a security that one day you will stand the ultimate test of God's judgment as you walk into eternity. It shows you that you'll stand the ultimate test of the storm because you'll know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is in your heart and he's working and he's changing. So that's why storms and trials are such an important element of our faith. And it's so important that we see that the story that Jesus is covering of the two foundations is also quite a good picture of eternal judgment and salvation. You see in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, storms and rain and those sorts of things, floods, was a picture of God's judgment. Check it out. So here's a few, Isaiah 28 verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. We'll come to that at the end, talking about our foundations. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Dynamite passage. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, um, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. See that picture of us standing firm in God, in Christ, our sure foundation, but God's judgment on, on, on evil comes in the form of a storm. Interesting that we get the pictures. Look at Ezekiel 13. Because they led my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash, therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the walls collapse, people will not ask you, where is the whitewash you covered it with? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, in my wrath I will unleash a violent wind and in my anger hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. Those are some terrifying passages against sin and evil. It's amazing how at the beginning he talks about the reliance that we can have on him in those times. But do you see how his judgment comes in a storm? So in a sense, what God's also saying to us as we look at these two foundations, if you look at it in an eternal perspective, he's saying your house, your house, if you build on the foundation of me, will stand the test of the eternal judgment storm and will see you in great stead into heaven. It's a picture of the eternal judgment as well. So important that we remember that. So whilst this is a picture of our lives on earth, there's a, there's a glimmer that we see into the coming judgment and what it takes for us to stand through the trial. And then verse 26, a little bit of contrast. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Again, he's not talking about intellect. Jesus isn't talking about it whether you struggle with academics or anything like that. He's saying, what is the definition of someone foolish? Someone who hears my word and doesn't do what I say. That is the definition of someone foolish. Anyone who hears what he says and doesn't do it is a fool. The dictionary definition of a fool would say that a fool is someone who is lacking in judgment or sense. It's not about academic intellect. Someone is a fool who is lacking in judgment and sense. Another way of saying this would be anyone who listens to Satan's voice rather than my voice as God is a fool. 
Because what God says, Satan says the opposite. Scary and sobering words. That is a huge error in judgment and sense. And we can fall into this as Christ follows. So there's the ultimate foolishness, which is rejecting Jesus for all our lives on earth and saying, God, instead of you, I want to choose Satan and his kingdom for all eternity. Terrifying. That's the ultimate picture of what it means to be foolish, is to say, Jesus, you're so good and you died for me, but I reject that and I'm going to live and listen to Satan. That's the, that's the worst kind of foolishness. But as Christ follows, it's very easy for us to act foolishly. It is very easy for us to read God's word and go, mm, sounds nice, just going to ignore it. Says you need to forgive. Mm, not that person. Foolish. Says we need to be people of integrity. I will in this area, but not really there. Foolish. It's very easy for us to hear and not do as Christ follows. And I want us to be people of wisdom rather than of foolishness. God's saying it's absolutely illogical to build on anything other than him and his word. Illogical. Absolute foolishness to build our lives on anything but him. Firstly, it gives you absolutely no anchor point or strength in times of trial when everything you held dear is taken from you. Gives you absolutely no anchor point, no strength. The collapsed life is the only option. Why do people who are not Christ followers turn to God when the going gets tough? It's because every foundation that you've built on as someone who doesn't know Jesus, everything you've built on, maybe it's financial security, maybe it's um, on your marriage, maybe it's on your children, maybe it's on your own ability. It's because when those things crumble, suddenly you go, oh my goodness, I have no anchor point. I have nothing. If there's a God, I need him. So it's why often people who don't know Jesus, when someone in their family dies, it's why they suddenly reach out to God. And I praise God that those sometimes are moments to turn lives around and build on the right foundation to build on someone greater than they believed before so what does it look like to hear and not do it looks like confessing with our mouths that we follow Jesus but our actions looking nothing like his it's really interesting Romans 10 verse 9 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart remember at the beginning I said belief will always be before action action always follows belief and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved so confessing with your mouth is pretty easy. I could say anything that I want. It's only when I believe in my heart what I'm saying that action will follow. And I can guarantee you that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, your life will look different. If you believe that in your heart, that Jesus died and rose again, it will change everything about how you live. Belief changes things. You can confess, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord. Oh, I love Jesus. But until you believe it deep down, there won't be action change. You see, confession apart from obedience is worthless. If there's true life change in you and I, there will be obedience to Christ. There will be, inevitable. And I've had many conversations with people, as I said, particularly before I'm doing a funeral, and I'll say to them, hey, so that person, especially if I didn't know them, hey, that person who died, um, wh where do you think they were at faith-wise? And, and, and sadly, many of them, if I haven't known, much of the time they'll say, oh, no, they definitely believed in God. You know, they, they weren't religious. They didn't do church and they didn't read their Bible um, and they didn't really talk about God, but I, I, I do know that they believed. They, they definitely believed. 
whilst it's not the time to ask then, what my mind usually goes to with great sadness when I hear someone sharing on that before a funeral is, well, did they obey Jesus? Did they love him? Did they love spending time with his people like we're doing today? Was their life characterized by a passion for the King of Kings, a belief that he died and rose again? Because that will usually be an indicator of what our foundations are in, usually. Obviously, the thief on the cross, he, he didn't really have a chance for his life to change. He had one moment, and I think it both happened, and he was with Jesus in heaven. But usually, our lives will show what we truly believe in. Look at uh, the contrast of the wise man. So there we go. So that's the contrast. When the rivers rose, when the winds blew and pounded that house, it collapsed, and it collapsed with a great crash. Building on the sand is a lot easier. It takes less perseverance. It takes less strain. And there's often a lot to show for yourself. It's easy to get the house up quickly. It's easy to make the house look beautiful on the outside. Not a lot of perseverance. Easy ride when times are good. But when the rain and the storms of life come, the house collapses. It happens differently for different people. Maybe it's financial collapse as happened in this nation. For, for many people, maybe it's relational dysfunction, maybe it's a mispromotion, the loss of fame, a death in a family, you name it. Those apparently strong life foundations that when they're taken, now leave you vulnerable, alone, and with nowhere to turn. Those prominent people that I spoke of earlier, whose houses look beautiful on the outside and they looked stunning for 20, 30 years. They were most likely building on the sand and it looked like rock to most of us. It looked like a solid foundation to most of us and the houses looked impressive. And many people saw the houses and the impact of the houses was impressive. But the storms of life began to collapse those houses because the foundations were seen for what they were. Now is there a chance for those people to build, rebuild on the rock 100%? And I pray that they do. <laughs> I pray that whilst there's been a collapse now of what they built for the last 30 years, I just say, Lord Jesus, please may they build on the rock now. There's still time. There's time for them to build on the rock in this lifetime. And I pray that with all my heart, the religious leaders in the days of Jesus built their lives on cultural traditions. That's what they did. Jesus was speaking to them in many respects today. They built it on cultural tra traditions, on looking great externally, wearing the right things, eating the right things, sitting in the right places at meal times, that's what they did. It looked great externally, but their foundation was not Jesus. And that's why Jesus was so strong on this. He wanted to tell everyone there who he's talking to and everyone else who would read this, would say it is not about building something that looks externally great if the heart behind it is dysfunctional. And it's not the rock solid foundation of Jesus. And some of you may be in that place today you may be someone who isn't a Christ follower here today and you've never built your house on the rock and maybe it's looking great to everyone right now. Maybe it's looking beautiful to everyone else but you know that if a storm comes and you know if your bank account was wiped or you know if a family member died or you know if suddenly you didn't progress where you thought, you know that life would be a mess. You've got an opportunity today to build on the rock or maybe you're a Christ follower here today 
But as you look back on the trials that you've faced in the last few weeks or months or years, you've gone, I do know that my ultimate foundation is, is the rock, but I've added a few alterations and extensions to my house, and I just couldn't really be bothered about digging down deeper there. So those are just on the sand. And there's these things that are looking great on the outside of my house. They're looking really nice, and people have come in and they're, oh, wow, beautiful little extension you've done there. But you know that if a storm comes, those things are going to crumble because the reliance is not on Jesus. You're doing your building with a little bit of Jesus, but also a little bit of trust on my bank account. A little bit of trust on my, on my family to come through. A little bit of trust in that promotion. And you're sort of mingling your true trust with other things in life. You're set for a mini collapse. You're set for a mini breakdown. And maybe you've had that in the past few weeks and months. And what Jesus would say to you today, it's time for you to dig a bit deeper in those areas and make sure that all aspects of your house are built on the rock that cannot be destroyed now and for all eternity. And so this is your moment. We'll pray in a short bit. It's your moment to confess and just say, Lord Jesus, I realize that this aspect and this aspect and this little extension and this veranda and this extra, this extra part of my house, I realize that it is not built on the rock. This part of my life is not built on the rock. And for some of you, it might be to do that eternally. Storms of life will come, but there's an ultimate storm coming, one that will wipe away sin forever. There's an ultimate storm coming, and it's going to come in great, in, in great power. It will wipe away sin forever. The only way for any of us to stand firm through that storm is if our foundation is on the rock of Jesus. None of us will make it through that storm alive and well, but for our foundation being on Jesus Christ. We shared it earlier. I just want to quickly go. Okay, I won't quickly go to it. Um, in Isaiah, and in Isaiah there where it said, building on the sure foundation, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He is sure. He's the only one absolutely rock solid to build our house on. And frankly, it doesn't really matter what our lives look like externally. If our belief is in him, they'll do what they, our lives will look like what they're supposed to look like. But we're not there to compare. We're not there to look, um, see what we look like compared to others. It's what is our foundation. We let God take care of the rest. And he will see you and I through in this lifetime and into eternity. The last close-off part that I skipped by mistake said the people were astonished because he was one speaking with authority, with truth. And it's truth that you and I can lay hold of today. Let's pray. I just wanted to do a quick little bit of business with God, a little bit of housekeeping. <laughs> so uh, if you're here today and you're going, well, I know, that ultimately my house may be looking great on the outside, but it is most definitely built on sand. There is not an element of Jesus in my life, and there's not an element of him being a foundation. It says there in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that, um, that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you will be saved. You won't be saved from all the trials of this life, you will be eternally saved from uh, ultimate separation from Jesus. And so that's you today. You can do that very easily. You can do that right now. You can just say, God, my foundations have been sand. They've looked great to everyone else, but I know deep down 
that there is none of you there, Jesus. And I can guarantee you that the only sure foundation, the only one that will see you through in this life and for all eternity is the God who loved you enough to step down into this world to die and rise again for you, for your sin and for mine. And you can right now put your foundation in, this, in, in the rock. You can do that right now. And, and, and if you do that, I'd love you to come and chat to me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you more. You can become a new creation right now, a new house right now. And so I'd love to pray with you afterwards if that's you. And if you're here and your Christ followers going, I know that how I handled the trials in the last week or yesterday or the last three months or two years ago, I know that that trial, that part of my house definitely collapsed. It might have been a friendship. It might have been a faltering in your faith. It might have been you got angry with God and you ran away from him. It might be that, uh, that area of your life, you've just gone, oh, God, that part I build in the sand and I do that on my own. I do my business on my own or I do my finances on my own or I do this area of my life on my own. It's time for you to get that area of your life or to get your life as it were and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that that area of my life I've been building on sand. And I know that those moments I saw or coming forward, I know that if I lost that element of my life, there would be a mini collapse. It's time for you right now to say, Lord Jesus, please help me in that area to build on you the only solid rock. So Holy Spirit, just speak right now in these few moments I ask you to speak. I ask you to speak to us into past situations. You'd speak to us of areas, extensions of our houses, parts of our house. The foundations have not been correct. And I said, right now, those foundations would be restored, that right now they would be dug down deep and put onto solid rock. For some of you, it's going to mean having conversations with people. For some of you, it's going to mean actually diving deep into Scripture and, uh, and really getting what Scripture says about a situation rather than what someone said to you about a situation. Holy Spirit, please speak to us. We're open. We want to build on the rock. We want our lives to matter now and for all eternity. We want to build on the solid foundation. Please help us with that right now. You are the only solid foundation. You are the only one worth relying on. You're the only one who died and rose again for each of us. And you're the only one who has power <laughs> to lift us again, to make us pure, to make us clean so that we don't face the ultimate storm, so that we live for all eternity in your presence. What a beautiful, amazing day that's gonna be. We look forward to that day. Your name we pray, amen.